Which musicians or bands have you most like seeing live? The writer Vladimir Nabokov wrote an autobiography entitled Speak Memory. Reading this long ago, I was dazzled by his detailed grasp of minute things from the distant past. I think of that title when doing these recollections. The faculty of memory is what's talking, choosing through its own enigmatic processes what to retain and how to frame things. It's memory that speaks as much as the speaker himself. When it comes to music, I've chosen to let it speak of various small moments when I've been to concerts. Not so much about the crowd's experience, but an accumulation of things recalled that were unplanned or unscripted. When I was very small, I still inhabited a culture where there was a context of the great music of the past and recent times. If you were going to be educated, it behooved you not to be ignorant of Beethoven or Bach, as they did very important work that changed the world and said things that could never be articulated so well before. So from the age of seven or eight, I found myself going to chamber music concerts now and then. I would sit there trying to pay attention and stay still, but fighting the ur urge to fidget. Music was tied to the sensation of fighting the urge to fidget. A bit later, the concert seemed to offer something. Certain pieces made sense, but certain irrelevant details loomed large. At the Brookhaven Lab chamber concerts, there was a small gnome-like guy who turned pages for the pianists. He silently walked on stage behind the performers and silently followed them off. Once someone applauded him on his way out. He got flustered, but the crowd loved the irreverence. I had no idea who he was, but he was always there, turning the pages in complete anonymity. A bit later, maybe in sixth grade, I went to a piano recital there by Mieczysław Horzowski, a very famous, very old, very short pianist. I went up to him in the lobby after the concert and offered a handshake. I was already taller than he was. I said, I thought you played very well, Mr. Horzhovsky. He nodded nervously. I wonder what he thought of a sixth grader giving him a compliment. I guess in show business, you have to be ready for any reaction, whatever it may be. Later, I learned that he was so old that his mother, his first piano teacher, had been a pupil of Chopin's student, and that another teacher of his had studied with a pupil of Beethoven's, putting me just four handshakes away from these two giants. It was well worth the price of admission having those connections. In high school, my piano teacher sent me to hear a recital by her teacher, a famous pianist named Rosalind Turek, and to carry her greetings. I did. Rosalind Turek shook my hand and said, send her my love. She had a very rich British accent. I later learned that Rosalind Turek actually grew up in Chicago. Being one of the greats meant you had to act like one. I began to go to a lot of concerts when I was in college. For a while, I could have told you about every one of them. Fortunately, now it's more of a gentle haze with a few quirky moments that stand out. At Oberlin College, a cellist named Zara Nelsova, nay Sarah Nelson of Winnipeg, performed. At some passionate moment, a string popped off her cello. She giggled girlishly and said, oh, I popped my G-string. Much later, after I had built a harpsichord and was living in Boston, I was asked to play the harpsichord part in the Plymouth Symphony Orchestra's performance of a Haydn violin concerto. A friend had also built a harpsichord and was eager to have them try it out at a real concert. 
violinist was to be a very recent Soviet emigre named Viktor Yampolsky, whose career in the West was just getting launched. He came around to chat during the dress rehearsal, and I told him that the harpsichord was slightly off pitch with the orchestra's A440. He said, don't worry, you just want to play harpsichord tones. The performance went well until the third movement, when, at a key moment, Viktor Yampolsky's violin popped its E-string. He looked stricken and hurried off stage, where I expected he would pick up somebody else's violin and immediately continue. But he was off stage a long time. He finally returned with the same violin and finished the piece. But this little mishap didn't hold him back, and he had an excellent career in America. When the Cayuga Chamber Orchestra hired its current music director, Cornelia Lemley-Orth, it turned out that she had studied conducting with him, and his niece, or cousin, Miri, is a distinguished pianist based in Ithaca. Other mishaps were not rare. One time I went to a piano recital by the formidable Vladimir Feltman in Bailey Hall. He played the huge and frightening Liszt Sonata. Late in the piece, at a particularly stormy moment, one of the low bass strings on the Steinway snapped and shot out across the stage, coiling and spinning like a high-tech snake. But Vladimir Feltzman soldiered on without missing a beat, and the absence of that string was no problem. As it was the last piece on the program, I thought I'd rush up afterwards to grab it as a souvenir, but someone beat me to it. A mishap of a different sort occurred in Cornell's Bailey Hall. The soloist was the great mezzo-soprano Marilyn Horn. Her program included a group of Debussy songs. During an achingly quiet moment, a woman in the audience began coughing. More than one cough. But rather than leave, the culprit kept it up. Marilyn Horn stopped and admonished the audience. I thought, good for her. Lesser performers would have just have to suck it up. Turned out the coffer was a local singer and celebrity who, of course, more than anyone would have known what a rude thing she had done with her passive-aggressive behavior. After the song, she slunk away, diminished in the eyes of everyone present. I noticed not long after this event that the management at Bailey Hall offered hard candy cough drops at the entrance to help with coughing. Unfortunately, those cough drops come with crinkly cellophane wrappers, so even if the cough is suppressed, you hear the crinkling of wrappers during a concert. Although they always admonish people to silence their cell phones, I never heard one go off in any concert. I gave a recital at Barnes Hall when the kids were small. At one point, when I stood up in between pieces, I looked down and saw both Will and Laura in the front row center, sound asleep. Afterwards, they explained that they had grown so used to falling asleep at home while I was practicing that the sound of the piano just naturally put them to sleep anywhere. 